What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Pure Sports Pod. This is Matt Weirich along with Kevin Haswell and Tom Robertson, the always esteemed guest of the show. That's right. We are talking NHL and NBA playoff previews. That's why we have Tom here, because Tom is our bona fide hockey expert over here. Kevin uh, likes to think he's our bona fide NBA expert, but we shall see uh, what he has in store for us. He claimed last episode that his predictions are never wrong. Uh, when he says he p- will put money on something, it always happens. So uh, apparently we are going to be seeing Johnny Menzel returning to the NFL at some point because Kevin has put money down, uh, hypothetically. But anyway, Kevin, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Phillies have won five out of six games, uh, you know, above 500, looking good. Scott Kingery is kind of a legend in Philadelphia right now. Uh, the rookie signed a $30 million contract this offseason, killing it in the major leagues. Sixers clinched uh, the number three seed in the Eastern Conference with 16 straight wins to end the regular season. Uh, they're going to the Eastern Conference Finals. And, yes, that's a guarantee. I'm putting money on that. <laughs> go Sixers. They're going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals, like I just said. And Matt Weirich goes to Chipotle because the Pelicans did not finish as a top five seed in the Western Conference like he proclaimed. Listen to this so, garbage. I make, I make this wager with Kevin when they are – five seed at this time, right? And I said the Thunder and the Timberwolves were not going to be able to hang around. One of them was going to fall off, and the Pelicans would be able to get a top five seed. DeMarcus Cousins gets hurt. Mm -hmm. They still go on to finish tied record-wise with the five seed in the Western Conference, ended up as a six because of tiebreakers. You got to account for that. Man, you know, I had... See, at the end of the day... Tied for the fifth best record. At least tied for fifth. You wouldn't have lost the bet, but you said they're going to be in the five seed. In the five seed. Oh, I stand by it. I stand by it. uh, Your boy's getting some free food next week. I'm excited. (laughs) Tom, NHL playoffs. How you doing? How you feeling about them caps? I, the caps, man, I'm feeling nervous. I think as every caps fan should feel, uh, just because of the history this team has, uh, talk about bona fide expert. Well, the caps have a bona fide curse. Uh, on their head right now, uh, over 40 years in the league, never uh, getting a Stanley Cup championship, only reaching the, the, the Stanley Cup finals once uh, in the entire Alex Ovechkin era, never even reaching the conference finals. So obviously nervous because while expectations might not be as high as they normally have been, uh, past couple of years winning that President's Trophy for best regular season team, uh, they are, they're still one seed. They still won the Metropolitan Division. Uh, and people like Kevin are going to be coming out. The hockey version of Kevin are going to be coming <laughs> out of the woods if the Capitals slip up uh, and don't uh, live up to live up to the hype. So definitely nervous, but they, they ended the regular season on, on a nice little stretch there. Uh, had a little bit of turbulence around the 60-65 game mark, but uh, ended up turning it back around. And they were they were looking at they were well above five hundred, but going into that last stretch of fifteen or so games, only about a plus five goal differential. So really not uh, the best margin in terms of total uh, goals for versus goals against. But they turned that around and get to around plus tw- they're at a plus twenty goal differential. So had a really nice uh, final stretch, and the Blue Jackets don't scare me as much as some of the other teams in the East. I was worried for a while that we'd be seeing the Flyers. Uh, Pittsburgh handled them last night 7 to nothing. but I was a little bit worried about the Flyers uh, just because of some of the weapons that they have. Uh, Devils even, not as worried about them just because of the lack of experience on that team, a lot of young guys. But they have some firepower, some young, some young guns. Taylor Hall obviously having an MVP candidate-worthy season. Uh, but the Blue Jackets don't have that kind of offensive firepower. Uh, Artemi Panarin, obviously, with over 80 points this season at a point per game. Other than that, they don't have anybody that's capable of putting up anywhere close to a point per game. Uh, defensively, they're mediocre. Uh, the only thing to worry about with them is they do have a goaltender in Sergei Bobrovsky that can steal them a whole playoff series. He's one of the few. In hockey, there's normally not really that one guy that can steal you a series like maybe in the NBA or even quarterback position in the NFL can steal you a game in the playoffs. But in the NHL, the only guy that can do that, that really has that much sway in the game, is the goaltender. If he stands on his head for a full 60 minutes, uh, back to back to back, 
some crazy things can happen. And Bobrovsky has that ability as a former Vesna Trophy winner. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think that's on, the only the biggest challenge that the Capitals are going to face in this series is just whether or not they can they can hit their spots and, and put the puck in the back of the net. And something that they're really going to need to do is get to those dirty areas. That's something that the Capitals get knocked on a little bit is, is relying on um, shooting these pretty highlight reel goals or maybe wrist shots from 20, 30 feet away from the net. They need to get in tight, screen Bobrovsky so he can't see the puck uh, and, and get goals that way. If they can do that, then they should be able to win the series pretty handily. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and run series by series here just to give uh, get your take on who you think is going to be making it deep into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get started with the Penguins. As you mentioned, Sidney Crosby going off for the hat trick and a 7 nothing win. Uh, a Flyers team that you know did pretty well in the regular season, finishing 42-26. and 26. Uh, only seven point back, seven points back of the Caps in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, certainly, you know, proved that they'd belong to be in this conversation here. But the Penguins, with this playoff experience, having won multiple uh, Stanley Cup trophies in the past few years, the Flyers looked severely outmatched in this game. Kevin, do you think, or yeah, well, Kevin, do you think there's any shot that uh, the Flyers, you know, your Philadelphia team, has any chance of of making it back against the Penguins? I don't know. I mean, they lost seven nothing last night. No hockey genius, but seven is a lot of goals for a hockey match. No doubt about it. Analysis. I love it. So, <laughs> moving forward in the series, they can't play defense. Goaltender continues to give up that many goals. Don't see the Flyers being able to do it. Uh, I would say I'm a pretty fair weather Flyers fan, so if they do win the series, buy a jersey. If not, <laughs> hey, it's not the end of the world. But, yeah. you know, I want to hear Tom's take because I'm very ignorant when it comes to hockey. Go Flyers. Go, go Flyers, you know. I, I don't think that you're going to see, well, you're definitely not going to see this type of blowout again in this series, but I'm not sure you're going to see uh, a blowout at all in, in any in any fashion in the rest of the series. I think it's going to be close games. going to be one-goal games pretty much exclusively, maybe empty netter here and there and make a two-goal game. Uh, throughout the rest of the series, because of that interstate rivalry aspect, um, you don't expect to see games like that in terms of teams like this that have bad blood towards each other. So that was something interesting to see. But another thing is these Philadelphia goaltenders are very capable. In the past, they have not had the best goaltending, and that's been one of their largest downfalls. But Brian Elliott has had a very solid season this year, uh, but ended up getting pulled in that game, letting in five goals on 17 shots. That's not something that you're going to see him do even come close to doing for the rest of this series. Peter Morazic came in and let in two goals on 13 shots. Not a great performance from him either. If they decide to go to Morazic because of that poor performance from, from Elliott in the first game, I think he's another guy that's very capable as well. Uh, got traded to Philadelphia midseason from, from the Red Wings, and he is a very capable goaltender as well. So I think you saw some anomalies. I think maybe some, some nerves from this Flyers team going up against a powerhouse like the Penguins. But they have guys, in, and so letting in that seven goals is an anomaly, but also getting shut out is what's even more surprising to me with some of the firepower that they have. They have had one of the most impressive uh, top three forward trios in the entire league when you look at what Voracek's been able to do, Claude Giroux, and uh, Sean Couturier. This, this trio is fantastic, and the reason that they work so well together is Voracek is – a guy that is a, just a prolific passer. Earlier on in his career, uh, kind of had more of a nose for goal, but he's really started to find uh, his role on this team as a playmaker and as a passer. 65 assists this season. That is an incredible number. Uh, and he has just been able to find, and, and, and those assists have been going to Sean Couturier, who... He is a guy that went uh, in the first round, and, and this Philadelphia team was expecting him to be a staple of their franchise right off the bat, but had a slower start to his career, was a 40-point guy, uh, and, and not really a huge difference maker for this team, but he has really found his, his niche on this team now as a pure goal scorer. Not as much of a playmaker, but a guy that's going to put the puck in the net, get to those dirty areas, over 30 goals this season, 31 and 45. So great season that he has had and then Claude Giroux we all know what he can do as a captain of this team uh he is 
a bona fide superstar in this league. Not a, not a guy that gets talked about as much as he should, but Giroux is is one of the elite players and a guy that can do everything. Good two way forward, uh, can put the puck in the net and distribute the puck really well. And over a hundred points this season is is uh, one of the best seasons of his career, uh, if not the best. He, he reached ninety three points earlier in his career, but really kind of a uh, a, a return to form for Claude Giroux this season. So. I think that this is a team that you can see give Pittsburgh fits. Um, Matt Murray, goaltender for this Penguins team, has he's young, but he has had obviously two Stanley Cup championships under his belt. He's had a lot of success, um, but he he's a guy that been a little up and down. Uh, only a nine oh seven save percentage this season, lowest of his uh, young three year career. 292 goals against average. So I think that you could see this Philadelphia offense get to them a little bit. But overall, uh, with the fact that the Penguins have gotten their scoring depth up, the biggest thing in that game last night, the reason they were able to win, is because they had guys like Haglin, Brian Rust, and Jake Gensel get on the score sheet. That's going to be the biggest key for this Pittsburgh team. If they continue to do that, uh, they will be in close games, but I think they come out uh, uh, in five games in this series. Now, over in the West, we had a pair of games here. Uh, the Jets taking down the Wild 3-2 in a crazy game that saw four goals scored in the third period. Uh, Dubnik had 37 saves in the loss. That was the most on the day for any goaltender uh, across the three games. It was a valiant effort for you know a goalie that has been very good over the past few weeks. Been uh, Since allowing four goals to the Kings about three weeks ago, he has been much, much better. I mean, he's already had a great season, but allowing just 1.7 goals per game and 9.39 uh, save percentage. One of the better goalies across the league, and he's kind of looking to carry this Minnesota Wild team, a team that maybe is a little bit offensively challenged sometimes. Where do you think this series is going from here? Can Dubnik carry the Wild past the Jets? I don't think he can because the Jets have just incredible firepower across the board. You look at guys like Mark Scheifele who had injury problems in the season, but he is back. He is uh, he he's in prime form right now. Obviously, Patrick Laine, the young sensation, 44 goals this season, challenged Ovechkin at one point for that uh, Rocket Richard title. And then Blake Wheeler, we all know what he can do, 68 assists on the season. So just a real great playmaker and a two-way player as well that can play good defense. Um we talked about Sergei Bobrovsky as one of those guys that, that can steal a series. Devin Dubnik has that capability, but the reason that that's not going to happen in this series is because he, a trend in his career with the Wild is that he sees too many pucks. This Wild defense has not done a, a, a good enough job at lowering the quality chances that the opposing teams get against them. And because of that, even though Dubnik is such an incredible goaltender, uh, makes a lot of flashy saves, can move across the crease with incredible quickness, great positioning, but he is going to see too many pucks in this series because of his defense that struggled to allow, they, they allow too many quality chances, and the Jets have guys that can put the puck in the back of the net, elite finishers, uh, led by obviously Patrick Laine. So I see this being one of the more lopsided series out west with the Jets coming away with... Uh, I truly think they can sweep this series. Now over in Vegas, we have the Golden Knights picking up their first ever playoff win. Uh, Shea Theodore scoring the lone goal in a one to nothing victory against the Kings team that had an up and down year. Didn't really look to me, at least you know from my outside view, like the the uh, Kings powerhouse team that we've seen in the past. I mean, Brandon Quick is a uh, Jonathan Quick is still on the team, of course, um, but you know the the offense wasn't able to come through here and. Flurry has had a good season, but not necessarily, you know, uh, the best goalie, in my opinion, uh, we have in the league. So, you know, are the Kings going to be able to get past him in this series, and are they going to be able to make things interesting? Because the offense really has to get going. I don't think so. And Bill Carey, one of the one of the pure sports writers, wrote the season preview, uh, series preview for this series, uh, and he had the Kings taking this series. But I disagree with that take because. People are not putting enough respect on this Vegas Golden Knights team. I understand the experience argument, and that's where Bill's coming from. Kings have an incredible amount of postseason experience with this team. Guys like Anze Kopitar, Dustin Brown, uh, Jonathan Quick, they've been there, done that uh, for this team. Drew Doughty as well on that, on that veteran blue line. But 
This Golden Knights team, the biggest thing that they have going for them, which is, I think, one of the most important aspects a team can have when you come into the playoffs, is depth across all four lines. They roll four lines better than any other team in the league. They don't lean on their top two lines to eat up ice time and get their goals for them. They're able to consistently have fresh legs on the ice and guys that can still produce, not just skate and be on the ice and lay some hits down, maybe like a lot of fourth-line teams do. Uh, in the league, they have guys that can score at every single level, but at the same time, they have those elite playmakers still that they can lean on when things dry up a little bit. Wild Bill, William Carlson, 43 goals this season at the very top uh, upper echelon uh, in terms of goal scorers in this league. Uh, and what you're seeing right now is Lucas Pisa, one of their best defensemen, and David Perron, one of their veteran forward guys that has produced incredibly for them third overall point scorer on this team at 66 points both out with injuries right now but are trying they're looking to get back into the fold in this series and looking to return once they return i think it's game over for this king's team i don't even this is a very intriguing series no doubt about it and there is no question that the kings have the talent veteran experience to to grind out a win come back from this initial loss but i truly think the golden knights have overwhelming talent overwhelming depth at forward and on defense as well. They have guys on on the blue line that can produce offensively. Uh, Nate Schmidt being one of those guys who they nabbed from the Caps in that expansion draft, and he he is just such an incredible player. Uh, didn't really find that niche with the Capitals, but puck moving defenseman and can get up into the offense as well. Quarterbacks that power play for them. So I just think that across the board, I haven't even touched on Mark Andre Fleury. He has had an incredible season getting back to prime form. Uh, truly just acrobatic, incredible saves that we're seeing from him. And I think that this Golden Knights team is just going to overpower the Los Angeles Kings, and that's not something I ever thought I would be saying uh, when this season started. Now we have two other matchups going on in the Western Conference. Uh, the Predators taking on the Avalanche, with uh, being the Avalanche taking that second wild card spot. Um, one of the lower point totals in the entire playoffs uh, sphere here. In fact, the lowest, um, 95 points on the year, perhaps the biggest underdogs. Um, but, you know, this wasn't a team we were talking about making the playoffs at the start of the year. Uh, kind of looked to be, you know, maybe a few years away, but here they are. Uh, and they're having to go against a team like the Predators that uh, won the, uh, the President's Trophy, you know, best most points in the league this year. It's been a very impressive year, to say the least. Do do the Avalanche have any chance at it coming out of the series alive? I think the Avalanche have a bigger chance than most people are going to give them. And you can chalk it up to one thing. And I'll backpedal on something I said earlier in the show that the only kind of guys that can really make that, that difference and carry a series are a goaltender. There's one man in this league that breaks that statement, and that's Nathan McKinnon. Uh, the young 22-year-old center for this Colorado Avalanche team is the most exciting player in the league, uh, and I think right now is the best player in the league and should take home the Hart Trophy as MVP of the NHL. What he has done this year has been absolutely incredible. Since the Avalanche traded Duchesne, his production has absolutely skyrocketed. He feels like, uh, even though... Outside looking in, it seems like the Avalanche were just kind of clearing house and trying to get rid of a hot commodity while they had it to get some future assets. But I think Nathan McKinnon's taken it as, okay, now I'm the man on this team. Duchesne's gone, and I'm, I'm the man. I'm what fills the seats here in Colorado. And that's given him a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, a little bit of swagger. And he is at, he's just incredible. That's the speed that he has, the playmaking ability, the shot, it's all there. And he's somebody that's going to skate – He's one of the few forwards in this league that's going to skate 20-plus minutes a game, uh, 97 points on the season. And Miko Rontanen coming out of nowhere as well, 21 years old. This duo, 22 and 21 years old, two kids out there are absolutely incredible. Their chemistry has been unbelievable. Um, but the, the thing about this Predators team is not only do they have uh, one of the tallest, uh, most experienced, uh, and just absolute – stingy goaltenders in the league. He just does not let anything pass him in Pecorino. Um, they have the best blue line unit in the league, led by P.K. Subban, Roman Yossi on that on that unit, Matthias Ekholm, incredible defenseman. They they are just absolutely stingy. They do not let you get to, to the net. 
uh, and let you get in tight uh, to get uh, to screen the division of Pecorine. They're physical. They produce offense as well. But they are also one of the they're one of the deepest teams in the center position as well. Uh, they just got back Mike Fisher. He came out of retirement. He's really just providing depth at this point, even though he's such a skilled and experienced centerman. Uh, Kyle Turris, getting him in that trade in that Duchesne trade earlier in the season as well from Ottawa, and he is one of the best two-way centers in the league when you when you talk about offensive and defensive ability. Uh, and, and so this team, not the most experienced star players on the wing, but they have incredible centermen that can play both ways, incredible blue line unit. They're just too deep. Uh, so I like Nashville in six, but I do like Avalanche to steal a couple of games based off the talent that they have with that uh, dynamic duo. Now, of course, we have one of the more – even matchups uh, in terms of the playoffs this year between the Ducks and the Sharks, a two and three seed, uh, finishing just a point apart in the standings, a 101 for the Ducks, 100 for the Sharks. Um, but it, it is the difference of a home port, uh, home rink advantage uh, here in this series. And the Ducks, of course, having done so, winning five of their last games uh, to close out the year, uh, eight, one, and one in their last 10 contests. They are on fire right now. Can, can the Sharks slow them down? I think the Sharks are one of those teams, their blue line unit is, is so good. They have incredible defensemen that they could slow, they can slow down this veteran Ducks group. This is going to be a really tight series, and it's really hard for me to call. I haven't even made a prediction yet. We'll see if I can talk myself into one right now. But Brent Burns leading this team, this really could be one of, this might be the only team in the entire league that has the defensemen leading their team in points right now, uh, which is just absolutely unbelievable. Brent Burns, 67 points. Um, so they don't have that explosive, uh, that, that firepower in their offense. Um, but their defense is so good. Uh, underrated goaltender with Martin Jones does not get a whole lot of credit with what he's done, but he's posted very consistent, solid numbers, 9.15 save percentage, 2.5 GAA right now. Uh, they made a huge move picking up Evander Kane uh, at the trade deadline. Uh, a guy that has elite goal-scoring ability as well. He's a little banged up, but should be able to go tonight. Uh, and then, obviously, they lost their rock, Joe Thornton, who's just been with them for so long, um, 38 years old, but still really getting it done at a high level. He's, big, he's a real big rig, physical guy, um, and a durable guy, 38 years old, uh, but his age has not slowed down his ability to play in this league. Losing him hurts uh, for your locker room. But this Ducks team, you mentioned they've been heating up, but they've disappointed me throughout the season, not really being able to reach the full potential that they, that they had uh, making it to that Western Conference final last season. Uh, I expected a lot more from them throughout the year, uh, but they come in, like you said, they won five straight coming in at the end of the regular season. But I'm just not sure it's going to be enough because this San Jose team has been consistent all year, better than I even would have expected. I think a big part of that is, again, Martin Jones being uh, a great guy in net to lean on for them. And I think that the blue line for, for San Jose is going to get it done, adding that punch of Evander Kane uh, will allow them to grind out uh, some two. We're, we're going to see a lot of two-to-one games, uh, even one-to-nothing games, three-two games, very uh, grimy games in this series. And I like the Sharks to, to get through it in seven games. Now we've got the Caps, of course, talked about a little bit before uh, being a one seed. Uh, you know, we weren't sure, really sure how what we were going to see out of them having lost several players to free agency uh, over the offseason. Now they're still in first place, still winners of the Metropolitan Division. Facing off against a wild card team seems like a pretty easy uh, round for them. However, of course, the Caps' playoff woes are very well documented. Is this just another the same old, same old for DC sports fans, or are we going to be seeing them moving on and going deep into these playoffs? I think a lot of Caps fans are trying to tell themselves that it, it's not going to be the same old, same old uh, because of the expectations are slightly lower, and that's what they need. They need to have the pressure off them a little bit, blah, 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 whatever you have it. They, they have to prove to me this series. I like them getting past uh, the Blue Jackets in this series. But it's never easy for them in the first round. The Toronto Maple Leafs team they played last year was incredibly inexperienced. Um, had never been there before, and they still looked very dicey in that series, winning it in six games. Um, they're going to have to show me in this series that they can sweep or knock off in five games this Blue Jackets team. If they don't do that, uh, then I don't think they have any chance of getting out of the next round against the Penguins. They have to be able to give themselves some confidence and some rest. 
before they see the Penguins uh, if they have a chance to win that series. Uh, and it's they they have the ability to do it. It's just will they go out and play to the to the best of their ability or close to it? Uh, and that's something that they have not been able to do in the playoffs for Ovechkin's entire career. Uh, and it's sad because he is one of he is he's the best player of this generation. People will say Sidney Crosby, whatever. Uh, you can say that if you want. Um, but regardless, you're still you're blowing the a once in a lifetime kind of player with Alex Ovechkin. I mean, he's looking to beat. Wayne Gretzky's goal scoring record, something that nobody ever would have thought would have happened, but six more seasons at the pace that he's at, and he'll do it. And it's a shame that the Caps, even with incredible supporting cast, have not been able to get him there. But what I'm saying right now is that if they get a sweep or a five game victory, then I think that they can beat the Penguins, and it's going to be a seven game series. I think no matter what, no matter which way you slice it, but <laughs> they have to be able to knock off this team quickly. Uh, and I think they can do that because the Blue Jackets don't have that scoring firepower. They got to key in on Panarin if they can do that, uh, and if they can put pucks past Bobrovsky, uh, then they can beat them quickly and have the potential. Absolutely, definitely have the potential to to beat a Penguins team in a seven game series. Over in Tampa Bay, we have the Lightning hosting the Devils uh, for a seven game set. The Devils, of course. Jumping into the playoffs now, getting 97 points after averaging just under 80 over the past few years, uh, over the past four years before this. This is their first time uh, winning 40 games in uh, what has been a very long time. So they are finally getting back into the playoffs here. Meanwhile, the Lightning have been a staple at the top of the Eastern Conference. Uh, really, you know, been a team that nobody's wanted to face in the playoffs is, is this going to be a cakewalk for Tampa Bay? It's going to be a cakewalk for Tampa Bay. You look at this Devils team, not only do they not have the experience, look at their top, I'm going to just list off their top point scorers right now. 26-year-old Taylor Hall, 19-year-old Nico Heashier, 26-year-old Kyle Palmieri, 23-year-old Will Butcher, 19-year-old Jesper Bratt, 22-year-old Miles Wood, top six scorers, uh, two guys at 26, and everybody else very young in their career. Uh, they don't have the veteran experience. And another thing, just like uh, Columbus, they don't have the depth scoring. Taylor Hall at 93 points. Like I said, I think he is an MVP caliber type of player the way he's played this season. But but, but after that, 93 points, top of the point sheet. Number, number two is Nico Hischier with 52 points. And that's not going to get it done uh, in terms of they don't have enough guys to lean on to really consistently produce. Uh, you couple that with a lack of experience. And with the goaltending that they've had this season that has not been great, Keith Kincaid has been their best goaltender this season, but has not a proven goaltender in this league. Uh, I think that the Lightning have no problems uh, uh, sweeping this Devils team. Finally, of course, we have the Bruins and Maple Leafs, two teams that um, have been in opposite directions. The Bruins been a staple, uh, like we kind of been a theme almost here. The Maple Leafs really rising to the occasion with Austin Matthews taking over uh, for that offense. And they've been one of the better offenses uh, in not just the Eastern Conference, but the entire uh, NHL finishing tied for the most goals scored, uh, just tied with the Jets with the most prolific offense, or sorry, tied with the Jets for the second most prolific offense mm -hmm. with the Lightning yeah. uh, finishing with 296 goals on the year. But uh, one of the better, the Bruins have one of the better goal differentials on the year, having only allowed 214 uh, goals this season. Who holds the edge here? I mean, this one, to me, looks like it can go either way. This is going to be a really, really fun series, and I'm glad that you saved this one for last. I mean, you look at every kind of factor that you would want in the series, young guns, young stars, coming up against more veteran established players like Zidane Ochara with this Boston Bruins team. You have two teams with a lot of history as two original six teams, uh, and it's you got a great goaltending matchup. Freddie Anderson has been absolutely incredible for this Maple Leafs team. Tuka Rask, we all know uh, the type of pedigree that he has uh, in the crease. Uh, and, and you got great defense in Boston versus an incredible offense for, in Toronto. So just one of the best um, storylines in this Stanley Cup playoff, one of the best matchups, uh, no matter which way you look at it. So it's so hard to call this one. The only differentiating factor I see that's really going to provide that difference is the experience that Boston has. Um, you look at a guy like Patrice Bergeron, who's just so incredible in that center position, going to eat up ice time, 
He will produce points, and he's one of the stingiest uh, defensive centermen in the game, winning that Selkie trophy time and time again. Um, that blue line for Boston, third in goals against. They have a young guy like Charlie McAvoy right now, um, Tory Krug, and obviously Zdeno Char, the big rig. Um, and then they also have the young talent as well. And David, again, we talked about Charlie McAvoy for the defense. David uh, David Pasternak, uh, 80 points this season, only 21 years old at that right wing spot. He has been uh, explosive and incredible to watch. So I think that they have a good mix. While they are mostly a veteran team, they have a good mix of youth in there as well. And they get it done in all three spots. Uh, like I said, like I said, more defensive-minded team, but still sixth in the league in goals. And they have those electric players. And Brad Marchand gets a lot of uh, a lot of flack in the NHL for being kind of a dirty player, but he is an explosive uh, talent, and that's impossible to, to deny the way he's come up in this league, um, really starting to to become a bona fide superstar. So that's the difference for me is that. Boston will get it done offensively, defensively, and in the crease, while I think you're looking at more of a two-out-of-three situation for Toronto with that incredible offense, and Frederick Anderson has been incredible in goal, but right now they're too young and a little too small, not physical enough on that blue line to be able to stop this Boston offense. You're going to see, I think, quite a few high-scoring games in the series, and it's going to be incredibly close, incredibly fun to watch these young (coughs) kids in Toronto get their second shot. Uh, at, a, at a playoff series, I think they're going to come up just short, just like they did last year against Washington. That was a six-game series. I think I like this one to go seven, but I definitely give the edge to Boston. So your final Stanley Cup matchup, who's it going to be? In the finals, oh my goodness. I think I have to go – I'm going to go Boston and Vegas. I, I That's can't, a bold pick. I can't – Nashville, they're an incredible team. We've already talked about it, but – I think durability with Pecorine, I think you might see his play decrease. He's just getting so old. Uh, but he's been a rock, so that's that's not something that a lot of people are going to say, but I just think that his durability could be a problem for them. Uh, and the fact that they don't have that go-to guy on offense. They're so deep at the center position. And they got a guy like Philip Forsberg, but he is not quite at that superstar level. Um, and they don't have the depth at wing that Vegas has as well. Vegas has the center depth, but they also have – complete full lines that can produce and I think Nashville uh, just doesn't have the consistent enough scoring um, consistent enough playmakers to really get it done and I I like Vegas to really get all the way there but I think Boston I think you're going to see them hoisting the Stanley Cup at the end of the season all right well thank you Tom for your always helpful insight on the NHL Kevin I forgot you were over there Uh, how you doing how you feeling about these NHL playoffs it's gonna be great you know I'm one of those people that you know Watches in the playoffs, but not during the regular season. So I'll you know, sit down and watch some hockey the next couple of weeks. It should be good. Yep, I'm looking forward to it too. Uh, thank you, Tom, once again. We're going to switch over to the NBA now, where Kevin can give us some of his insights uh, on these Eastern and Western Conference playoff match- matchups. We have everything set now. Uh, the final game with the Nuggets falling to the Timberwolves to finish a game behind them for the number eight seed. Uh, NBA playoffs are often criticized for having uh, an improper structure that favors uh, certain teams over others. However, 15 of the top 16 teams in the NBA by winning percentage made the playoffs with the sole team not making it being the Nuggets, uh, who, if we were to take just the top 16 16 teams, would have taken a spot over the Wizards uh, for the playoff spot. So, can't say I'm too blown that that happened, but... Uh, the way things are shaking out, uh, we are going to have some very intriguing match- matchups. We're going to start with the Western Conference, where the Houston Rockets are the number one seed, winning the West by seven games over the Warriors, and going to be facing off against those Timberwolves, uh, the pesky Wolves, who just haven't been able to go away, it seems. Um, they'll be that number eight seed facing the Rockets. I personally don't think there's any way that the Rockets don't emerge from the series, winning you know, at least maybe they drop one game, but I, I think they win in at least four, pro, uh, at least five, probably four. Um, but Kevin, do you think there's any kind of way that the Timberwolves win this series? Call the janitors, get the broomsticks. It's going to be a sweep. <laughs> it's not even going to be close. I mean, you know, they've they've been, dealt with some injuries. Yes, losing Jimmy Butler caused them to fall in the standings a little bit, but 
you know, even even with a full healthy roster of Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, Jeff Teague, and Taj Gibson, I mean, obviously that's a, that's a very that's a good front five, but it's more names than it is anything else. Jeff Teague, just an average point guard. I mean, you know, player efficiency rating sixteen point four this year, only scoring fourteen points a game, and you know, seven assists per game is pretty good uh, for a mid tier. A point guard, but he's not a playmaker by any means. Jimmy Butler obviously is supposedly going to be that playmaker. Him and Carl Anthony Towns are really this offense uh, in a lot of ways. But I, I don't know if I trust Andrew Wiggins in his first career playoff series to you know take over in any way. Uh, Taj Gibson is not the guy he used to be. Even if he did play 82 games this year, respectable uh, 12 points per game. But you know he's not you know a guy that can take over this this team. Meanwhile, we have a Rockets team that looks like it could honestly go to the Western Conference Finals, go to the NBA Finals the first time the Warriors aren't making it in five years. Um, you know, this this Warriors team, it's the first time the Warriors are finishing with a point di- average point differential of under 10 points since they first made the Finals uh, four years ago. So this is definitely a team that has taken a step back compared to recent years, and I think the Rockets are poised to take advantage of that. So I expect a quick series. I believe Tom is expecting a quick series. I Kevin is... Minnesota, they're going to take a game. A Four game. To one. Four to one Rockets. I could see, I could see them going five. Uh, you know, Jimmy Butler going off scoring 40 points. I don't put it past him. Carl Anthony Towns Cat. having a 20-20 game. You know, yeah. it could definitely happen, but uh, it is the likelihood is not in their favor. Now, number two seed Warriors taking on number seven seed Spurs. Both teams kind of trending in the wrong direction. This is a Western Conference Finals series that we've seen multiple times um, with Kawhi Leonard, once again, not going to be on the floor. Uh, very big loss for the Spurs. They are not going to be getting him back. Greg Popovich, you know, can he pull anything out of his hat? I don't see it happening. The Warriors just look, you know, maybe not like the, the, the team in the West this year, the team in the NBA this year, but they certainly look better than the Spurs. I mean, I didn't even think the Spurs were going to make the playoffs, honestly, and they finished two games ahead of a team that didn't. So, you know, they are right on the edge there, and I don't think that they have the firepower to hang around with the Warriors. Four-game series, again, Janitor's working double duty today, <laughs> sweeping. Double duty. They're done. They're done. It's uh, The Spurs are just not a good team. I mean, like you talked about, without Kawhi Leonard, they still have the firepower offensively to, you know, keep up with the Warriors. Um, I think people are sleeping on the Warriors right now. Uh, everyone's talking about the Rockets, and, you know, uh, it, it's got to be a four-game sweep. Warriors definitely going to sweep them, no doubt about it. No. Spurs are, Spurs are, what a fall from grace it's been for the Spurs. They just can't compete. What a fall from grace. Well, once we get past the Warriors, all the three through eight seeds are all within two games of each other in the standings. I mean, to me, these games, the, these two matchups right here, the three versus six, four versus five, could go either way. Blazers taking on the Pelicans, uh, number three Trailblazers against number six Pelicans. Anthony Davis having to work with no Boogie Cousins, leading this team to five straight wins to close out the season and a miraculous run uh, to hang around in, a, in the playoffs when things looked bleak. The Jazz started playing very well. The Thunder looked like a much better team. The Timberwolves hit some injuries, but still, you know, we're hanging around. Pelicans, meanwhile, swallowed injuries, hung in there, and I think they're going to give the Blazers a real run for their money. Um, Blazers have been a very prolific offensive team for sure. You know, having Damian Lillard as your point guard will do that for you. And CJ McCollum, uh, being a very, very suitable shooting guard, but on the defensive side of the ball, the Blazers are not sound. Uh, you know, one of the teams that kind of relies on the fast break relies on, you know, keeping the other team on their toes. I think this is the, this Pelicans led squad, uh, which already has the third highest points per game in the West, um, will be, you know, able to hang around with them, and, and I like the Pelicans' chances in this series. You know, we talked about the janitor's working double duty. It can't be. No, it can't be working. He's getting the day off. You better be saying that. They're going to seven games, I think, in this year. I mean, they're pretty even match, evenly matched teams, uh, kind of opposite in you know, their strengths. I mean, uh, the Pelicans got you know, the best big man in basketball, or one of the best, Anthony Davis, and then, uh, Trailblazers got you know, one of the best guard duos in all of basketball, so a little uh, counter. But I think you know, series comes to an end. I think the Pelicans end up winning it. Just don't have faith in the Trailblazers. I mean, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum have been uh, terrific this year, but you know, can't underestimate Anthony Davis and his Memphis Cosby Chipotle. So <laughs> let's go with the Pelicans. I don't know, man. I, 
I like this duo with D-Lil and C.J. McCollum. I like him to come out on top. I think Damian Lillard's a clutch player. Uh, and he's just a playmaker in every facet of the game. Uh, I gotta go with the Trailblazers, baby. Blaze the trail into the second round of the playoffs. I don't like that pick, gotta say. Mm. Not, not a fan, but... Um, like I said, I'm sticking with the Pelicans in this one. Finally, in the West, we have the Thunder and Jazz. Uh, the Thunder making lots of big moves over the offseason to bring in uh, Paul George and Carmelo Anthony to bolster this lineup. Uh, they are having to deal with the loss of Andre Roberson, one of their best defensive players, um, for the rest of the season due to injury. However, have still been able to remain afloat, finishing 48-34. and 34. Russell Westbrook finishing the year for a second straight season, averaging a triple-double. Um, you know, this is a very, very good uh, offensive team, uh, one that ha- can be streaky at times for sure, uh, but when they are clicking on all cylinders, it is a dangerous squad to play against. Meanwhile, the Jazz, uh, probably a team that doesn't get a lot of attention for the record that it finished with. However, uh, led by rookie Donovan Mitchell, who is rivaling Ben Simmons for the Rookie of the Year award, uh, very big debate over who will be getting it, um, but between him uh, and Rudy Gobert, two stars on that team. They're a young team, I think, one that might not be able to uh, go deep in the playoffs. I personally, I think the the Thunder are going to pull this out with the playoff experience that a lot of these players have. I mean, we've seen Paul George in the Eastern Conference Finals before. We've seen Russell Westbrook in the Eastern Conference Finals. We've seen Carmelo Anthony going deep in the playoffs with the Knicks. I think that this is a very experienced team and one that's going to handle the Jazz pretty easily, uh, even with Donovan Mitchell playing out of his mind. Over the past few weeks, I'm, I'm going to have to go with the Thunder on this one. Here's the pick that you're wrong about. The Jazz are winning this series. Jazz are winning this series in five or six games. Donovan Mitchell, while I don't think he should be rookie of the year, the terrific set of rookie record for three pointers this year. Uh, you know, the way Rudy Gobert is going to be defensive player of the year. Uh, best big man, best defensive big man in basketball. Um, and, you know, I just think the, the Thunder are kind of overrated. I mean, ever since the Roberson injury, the defense hasn't been the same. Um, you know, they were a top five team defensive rating until he went down, and, you know, they've steadily dropped down the list. And, you know, the Jazz are playing, you know, better than some of the best teams uh, in basketball right now. Uh, they did falter in the last couple of games with their Paul Ibaxi, but you know, they worked their way up from 11 to 3 over a, you know, a month span. Got to go with the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell, probably MVP of the series. Thunder are playing good basketball, too. Uh, end the season on a three-game winning streak, including a, a win against the Rockets. Uh, won 11 of their last 16 games to cap off the regular season. Uh, and I think they just have too many playmakers right now. Uh, Russell Westbrook is the type of guy that can win a game on mm-hmm. his will. He's incredible down the stretch, and he just imposes his will on teams offensively. And if he's hitting the shots, then... It's game over pretty much any team, and they have players uh, that have come through in clutch situations before. And I just think that they're the team that, when a big shot's needed, they're a team that can come up with it. Um, and again, like I said, playing good basketball down the stretch surprised a lot of people in the league defensively as well with playing pretty sound defensive basketball throughout the season. So I think that um, they're fairly balanced in terms of being able to put points on the board, uh, but play fairly decent defense as well for the big names that they do have. Um, and I like them to win this series in six. All right, who's coming out of the West, boys? What is your pick? Rockets, Warriors, anyone anyone able to pull out an upset in, from those 3-8 three, three, seed? No. It's gonna Trouble. Be, no, I'm just kidding. It's going to be the Golden State Warriors at the end of the day. And, you know, people love the Rockets pick. It's a sexy pick. I mean, they've won 60-plus <laughs> games. People want to jump on that bandwagon. But, yeah. Now I think the Warriors have more firepower. Uh, you know they have the experience in the playoffs. Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, that combination is lethal. Uh, I just don't think the Rockets can play good enough, good enough defense to beat the Warriors in a seven-game series. Give me the Warriors in six. I think the sex, sexiest part about that pick is Chris Paul as well. You know, never made it to uh, an NBA championship before, and people want to see him get there, and they think this is the team to do it. It's so hard for me to pick. It's going to be a seven-game series in that Western Conference Finals with the Warriors and the Rockets. I have no doubt about it. Um, and I hate to jump on the bandwagon, but I think I'm going to have to go with the Rockets as well. No, I'm doing it too, and, and my big reason is the Rockets are 34-7 and seven at home. They have been locked down uh, in Houston, and for them to get that number one seed over the Warriors huge. I think is going to be huge, and I think that's really, I agree, I think it's going to go to that seven games and that seventh game going to be played on the Rockets' home court with their fans. I think home court advantage is the biggest 
uh, advantage in terms of, of all sports. It's in the biggest in the NBA as opposed to the MLB or NFL or NHL. Uh, maybe the NHL can be up there because NBA, you know, I think is. But I think the NBA is when you know you have five people on the court for your team and you have however many fans in a locked building screaming at you. That you know if they're screaming for you, that is a huge boost. Uh, you know, no matter who you're, who you're playing, if you're at home, uh, it's just a major upside there. And I think with how well the Rockets have done on their home court, 65 and 17 this year, I'm picking them to win the West, uh, beating the Warriors in seven games in the Western Conference Finals. Now in the East, we have the Toronto Raptors, who actually have an identical 34 and 7 home record, uh, taking home that number one seed. Uh, in the Eastern Conference with a record of 59-23. and 23. They're going to be facing the Wizards in the first round, a Wizards team that not really playing well, even despite getting John Wall back 3-7 and seven in their last 10 games, losing the final game of the season, uh, eliminating any chance of them moving up to the seventh seed and facing that Celtics team. That probably would have been a good matchup for them in the first round. However, they are stuck playing the Raptors. Raptors, of course, have a shaky playoff history, but look like a little bit of a different team this year. Tom? Who do you think is going to be winning this first series? Watch out for the Wiz. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> no, uh, I like the Raptors, but I I think the Wizards can steal a couple a couple of games here. You know what I mean? They're 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 a dangerous squad. They got some playmakers, but uh, I I think I think Toronto is going to come away with the series. No doubt about it. Kevin. No, Wizards got no shot in that series. I'm sorry, uh, the Raptors. You know, while. While they don't show up in the playoffs, I mean, Marty Rosen and Kyle Lowry, they're nothing to do with this. Yeah, I mean, the Wizards have experience uh, with Bradley Beal and John Wall and Otto Porter all having been on teams that have won playoff series before in the past. I think the Wizards stand as good of a chance of an eight seed has in the past of beating a one seed in a long time. I think, uh, especially if the Celtics had gotten that one seed, that would have been almost, you know, one of those mismatches where you think you actually have the lower seed favored, but... Uh, with the Raptors here, I think the Raps are, are the better team. I, I think they're going to come away with the win in six. Uh, but I think the Wizards are going to be able to steal a couple games. You know, John Wall. Watch uh, out you know, for the Wiz. Watch out for the Wiz. I, I can't, you know, pick them to get swept. But um, with this team, uh, Scott Brooks has been saying all year, it's just a selfish squad. They haven't been uh, able to put the team first. They've been trying to pad their own stats, and they've watched the results. So, uh, you know, with Wall coming back, maybe they have a chance here. But I don't think that unless Bradley Beal has the playoff series of his life and just steps on another level, I don't see the Wizards uh, making it past the first round. Now we've got the injury-ridden Celtics facing off against the Bucks, the two versus seven seeds here. The Celtics, Celtics, of course, will be out without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward in this game. It's going to be the Al Horford show for Boston. Uh, Jason Tatum as well uh, showing up for them. Meanwhile, Giannis, the Greek freak. Uh, carrying this Bucks team almost single-handedly uh, into the playoffs here. This is a team that hasn't won a playoff series uh, with its current core. Celtics, of course, went deep, went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, but are a very different team now and have had several injuries that look to take them out of the running here. Can the Celtics even make it past the first round? Yeah, I think the Celtics can end up being the, being the Bucks. I see, you know... Celtics team that still has, you know, a lot of depth outside of Kyrie Irving. Um, you know, they still have some good guards. I like Terry Rozier. Uh, while Giannis is, is really good, I like the perimeter defenders by the Celtics can, you know, put on him. So, maybe the Celtics in six or seven games are going to be in the series. Um, but two seeds will be gone. The Greek freaks too much for Boston in this series. Got to go with the Bucks. I just think Giannis is is one of the most incredible, fascinating players to watch in the league. Not as much of a jump shooter, but just incredible physically and a physical force. Uh, can drive the ball just as well as anybody in this league. Uh, and, he, and he definitely knows what to do when he gets in that painted area. I just love Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I think the Bucks are going to ride him uh, into a seven-game series, uh, into a seven-game uh, victory in this series. Yeah, I'm sticking with Kevin on this one, picking the Boston Celtics to move on. Uh, Marcus Morris has been a force for them down low, someone that doesn't really get talked about. Uh, him and Al, Ford, Al Horford have actually been one of the better um, big man duos um, that, you know, lacking height in some ways because they're both power forwards. But when they go small, uh, it's, a, it's a lineup that the Celtics are very good with and works well, well off of the, the uh, pick and roll. So I like this team to move on even without Kyrie. I don't think they're going to be going very deep in the playoffs. Um, I can honestly see them losing in the second round. 
um, to the 76ers, who we'll get to in just a second. Uh, so I, I don't see them going deep, but I definitely think that the Bucks are just inexperienced, that Giannis is really the, all this team has in terms of you know playmakers, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, in terms of player efficiency rating, the next player after Giannis is Eric Bledsoe. I mean, you know, that's that doesn't stand out to me as a guy that uh, is going to change the game. You know, certainly he's a good point guard and an above average one at that. Um, but he's not a player of Giannis's caliber. I mean, he's not a player of so many teams have, you know, a, a, at least if they have their main guy, they've got a few secondary players who can, uh, you know, fill in behind him. For example, you have the 76ers of Joel Embiid, but also have guys like Ben Simmons, uh, you know, as, as kind of player to play off of him and make the team uh, more versatile. I just don't think that the Bucks are two-dimensional, three-dimensional in any way. It's just Giannis show, so I don't see them moving past the Celtics in that first round. Next up, we have the 76ers taking on the Miami Heat. The Heat, who seem to never go away despite having lost LeBron uh, a few years ago, still able to hang around in the playoff uh, picture. Goran Dragic, of course, being the uh, point guard making it to the all-star game for them having a fantastic year uh, and a career year for him it's been a very low-key low uh, good signing for them uh, when they brought him in Hassan Whiteside being a force down low as well however of course the 76ers winners of 16 straight to close out the year that they look like the hottest team in the NBA right now they look like one of the most dangerous teams in the NBA and there aren't a lot of ways you can beat them uh, you know, J.J. Redick can shoot from all over the court. Joel Embiid pulls down every rebound that, you know, comes his way. And, and Ben Simmons is a playmaker uh, in a lot of different ways bringing up the ball. So I, I really like this 76ers team. I think they're going to be moving on uh, pretty easily. I could see them sweeping, I think, probably in five. Uh, give the Heat a chance to win at least one game here. But my pick is, is 76ers in five. Call the janitor because he's working triple duty tonight. It's going to be a sweep for the 76ers. Uh, they're, they're too much for this team. And just the crown of basketball they've been playing lately. But I'll let the expert uh, give us more about the, the 76ers here. I'm just going to say three words. Sixers and six. I was going to – I thought he was going to say trust the process. Wow. Trust the process. <laughs> no analysis needed. Just sixers and six. Sixers and, and six. six. Why do you – what makes you think the Heat are going to take two games off of a team that's won 16 in a row? He's playing a conservative well, pick for his own team. Conservative pick for my own team, so yeah. I'm not disappointed if it does go six. Mm-hmm. Also, if Joel Embiid's not able to play the first couple of games, Hassan Whiteside can give them fits down low. Um, so that's the one place to watch. But if Joel Embiid plays, mm-hmm. it's a sweep. But he's not playing in game one, so I'm not going to lose that one. Um, at home. They could lose it at home to the Heat. Okay. Be conservative as a fan. Hey, every year you guys you guys start thinking the Cavs are going to collapse, right? And then when they if they you know they move on, then you're like, oh, I always think the Cavs are going to collapse. Like, what do you exactly? Mean? So then if they move on, it's like, wow, it's even better because you expected. No, it does. It's not even better. If they move on, they move on. You know what I mean? I'm not like a Patriots fan or a whoever fan, like a Golden State Warriors fan. Like, trust me, any like I, I, I'm a guy that whatever victory you can get is absolutely incredible. A victory is a victory. All right. Well, we've got of course the final series that we haven't talked about, and that would be the reigning Eastern Conference champions, Cleveland Cavaliers, taking on the Indiana Pacers uh, in a contest that seems to be lopsided in terms of who's expected to win. I don't think anyone really thinks LeBron is going to let the Cavs fall in the first round, but the Pacers have uh, a pretty good team. Uh, led by Victor Oladipo, really breaking out for the Pacers, getting to control the offense much more than he ever did uh, with the Magic or Thunder. Uh, but also Bohan Bogdanovich being a very good signing for them, playing 80 games this year. Uh, Miles Turner and Darren Collison as well, filling in spots there around the court. So this is a good team uh, that doesn't get as much attention uh, as they don't have very many big names, as Oladipo is really one of the most recognizable ones uh, on that roster. But is there any chance LeBron falls in the first round? I think this this series is going to be a lot tougher than people think for the Cavaliers. I think you know Victor Oladipo provides a lot of issues uh, with you know Cleveland's guards. Uh, Cleveland really doesn't have great defending guards. Um, I mean their defense was what 28th in the NBA this year. You know not great uh, facing a team with you know one of the best, probably the most improved player in the NBA, Victor Oladipo. It's going to be a tough series. I still think Cavs in five or six. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, I just I don't know if the, the Pacers have enough to beat this Cavs team, but you know they have enough to make them struggle. Um, very, very similar to you know last year 
when the uh, Cavs played, or it might have been two years ago, when they played the uh, Raptors um, in the Eastern Conference Finals. And the, the Raptors took them to six games for the whole series. You knew that the Cavs were going to win. And it's going to be like that. Um, you know, I don't think LeBron you know, breaks the streak and loses another game. Yes, of course, the Pacers did go 3-1 and one against the Cavs this year. So if that goes to show anything, I don't think the Pacers are going to win. I'm going to pick the Cavs in six. I do think they'll give them some fits here. Uh, like you said, Oladipo is going to present some problems for them. And uh, as much as people like to say, oh, the, the trade deadline really reshaped this team, their brand new look. Yes, that's true, but that also doesn't mean they're cohesive in any way. Um, and, and they've kind of been all over the place in a lot of ways. And I don't know uh, if they're going to be able to pick up the defensive slack, like Kevin mentioned, um, and, and be able to completely take control of this series. Watch out for Sabonis. Sabonis. <laughs> From the Pacers. Fan favorite. Mm-hmm. Got I had him in fantasy last year, or this year. He was a pretty good pickup, not going to lie. Like the Cavs in six as well, though. Like the Cavs in six. Well, all right, that's uh, the Eastern Conference there. Kevin, who is your pick to make it out of the East? Well, it's tough. I'm gonna, I, I mean, I, at the end of the day, beginning of the season, and still at this point, I just think I don't know there's any way LeBron loses in the Eastern Conference. I don't think the Sixers are good enough to beat them right now. Um, unfortunately, but no one expected the Sixers to be favorites to go to the Eastern Conference Finals this year either. So, um, step in the right direction. But I think you know another year, another Warriors Cavs final. I Even after everything that's happened this season, you can't go either team not making it. Here's the thing: I, I easily could have gone with the Celtics if you know Kyrie didn't get hurt, um, and probably still wouldn't have gone unless they had Gordon Hayward healthy. Um, Raptors just not good in playoff time. Sixers too inexperienced, and then the rest of the East is just not good enough to you know win a playoff series in general. So there you go. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna be LeBron and the Cavs. Um, I believe for the eighth straight year, LeBron will be in the NBA Finals. It's it's gonna be the the 76ers getting out of the Eastern Conference. There's no doubt about it. This is the way that they're playing right now. It's unbelievable. 16 straight games, uh, and this young core of guys that they have, Ben Simmons. Unstoppable right now with what he's doing in every facet of the game. Once Joel Embiid gets back, uh, he's just a devastating force, rebounding, putting the ball in the basket. It's gonna be 76ers Rockets final, and who knows, man? 76ers they could come out on top and hoist a trophy at the end of the year. I'd honestly love to see a 76ers Rockets final. I think just to see two fresh new teams in there would be refreshing for me. Please, uh, I would actually watch the finals. Yeah, I mean, I've watched every year, but I'm not gonna watch. I'm not gonna watch unless it goes to a game seven. I can't stand watching the Warriors and Cavaliers. I just can't support that. It's embarrassing for the NBA. I truly think it is. Yeah, fifth year would be pretty bad, especially it would for. Be embar- it's just not good. I mean, you know, these last two NBA seasons, I think, have been um, a little pretty fun. I think you know, uh, for. In terms of the regular season, you know Russell Westbrook taking over last year, and yeah. and, and all the storylines that have happened this year, especially with the Warriors and Cavs not doing as well. However, I do think the Cavs are going to come out of the East. I mean, it's really wide open right now uh, in terms of who could come out, and I think the Cavs are just a sleeping giant, really. Uh, you know, wait, lurking until the playoffs come around, and LeBron will turn it up even more than he already has after arguably his best defensive, uh, statistically his best season he's ever had. Uh, so I, I think it's going to be Cavs Rockets. To uh, for the Western for the NBA Finals and my pick's going to be Rockets and six. Uh, I, I do like the chances LeBron has of getting them back to the finals, but I don't think the Cavaliers are going to be able to beat either the Warriors or the Rockets. Whoever makes it out of that Western Conference should be interesting playoffs. I'm looking forward to the Sixers making a run and proving all of you guys wrong. I just said they might win the win the championship. Yeah, and that, and that's fine. Wait, do you actually believe that? Would you put money on it? Probably. I would put money on them getting out of the Eastern Conference. Yes, I absolutely would. Well, I'm not going to bet against the Sixers. So. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be a very fortuitous bet for you. I but. would put money that they are in the NBA Finals. All right. Either way, I'm excited. It's going to be a great playoffs. Um, NBA and NHL. We have a whole lot of playoffs coming up. And, of course, MLB's season is in full swing. We have the NFL draft coming up. Lots of fun stuff going on in professional sports. That's going to wrap up our show today. Tom, thank you so much for coming on. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our show on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Pure Sports Net. Check out our Facebook at Pure Sports Network and go to our website at puresportsnetwork.com. I'm Matt Wyrick. This is Kevin Haswell and Tom Robertson signing off. Kevin, any final words for the good people? Sixers and six. Tom? It's the most wonderful time of the year. The Stanley Cup playoffs are here. 
Go Caps, baby. Let's go. Go Nats, Caps, and Wizards. I'm Matt Wyrick. Thank you all so much for listening, and have a good one.